that's a great song. Thank you for the lyrics. As it talks about new mercies and and and, and because that's really what it amounts to when we talk about this thing of authenticity. And I want to begin. I want to begin by asking you a question and. and you can maybe answer it in your own way, and, and uh, certainly it's a rhetorical question, but you can think about it a little bit. But why is it that most of us, if not all of us, really have a great dislike for those who try to be something they're not? I mean, when I talk about that, many of you probably already have thought of a person maybe that you know or a person maybe of your past who you can think of, yeah, they were never themselves. They were always, they always lacked authenticity. And uh, I don't like that. Why is that that we, 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 we just don't like that? Think about that for a moment. Um, why is it that you get a little uncomfortable when I show up in a suit? For those of you who are visiting with us, I don't normally wear a suit on Sundays. I don't think I ever wear a suit on Sundays, actually. Uh, and sunglasses. Why, why does that make you a little uncomfortable? Maybe or maybe you just kind of laugh and think, oh, what's he up to now? By the way, the, I, for the record, I didn't do this just for that shtick. Um, I'm, I'm also going to a Broadway opening this afternoon, so that's why I've got to go straight from here. So that's part of this, part of this shtick, too. But um, Will Chase, some of you know Will, who uh, comes to church here, uh, opening Lennon. So, uh, this afternoon. Anyway, why is it, though, when you see someone like that that's dressed a little different than what they normally are and, and, or, or act a little differently or, or, or behave a little differently than what they really are and you know who the real person is, you get a little uncomfortable. Some cases, it's much more than a little uncomfortable. We uh, have been, for those of you who are visiting, we, we've been on, uh, the rest of you know this, we... We uh, had a little 10-day vacation, which just absolutely stunk, and um, it was horrible vacation, and, and I won't go into it, but it's, it was, we were in Birmingham, Alabama. I was, many years ago, I was a pastor there, church that I pastored, a church, one of the churches that sprung out of that, uh, started out of that, good friends involved with that, and had some, some pretty serious issues going on among people whom I've known for, for uh, 20, 25 years, and love, and I ended up having to get involved with that and worked um, a lot. And uh, uh, not that I didn't want to, not that I don't want to be helpful. And it just, you know, it wasn't a vacation. Let me just put it that way. But the highlight of our little uh, 10-day stinko vacation was that uh, on on one day uh, in particular, we um, we went with uh, our our son and 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 his wife and our grand two grandkids. Uh, to my daughter-in-law's mother's friend, friend's lake house, Logan Martin Lake, right about between uh, Birmingham and Atlanta. And, of course, I love the lake and love the water and, and didn't know these people, but I met, a, met, you know, and it was fun to be in Alabama again, listening to the people talking about, we go over there to Shade Mountain Baptist Church, and uh, we got, that's a great church over there, and we really have a good time. We don't, we don't pussyfoot around. We preach the Bible. We preach the Bible, and we don't do any of this Northeastern liberal stuff. Man, it's a great church. Anyway, now they don't all talk like that. They're great people. Um, they don't. They didn't talk like that. Some some of them did. In fact, we were going, and I knew where we were going. I knew we had to go through part of the to get there. You got to go through some back country of Alabama, and I knew that. So I wore my New York Yankee Mickey Mantle shirt just because I'm that way. And um, so I had that on, and you know, and all these people, you know, we're Atlanta Braves fans here. What are you doing wearing that Yankee? You Yankee, you know. And uh, it's just kind of fun, but. 
So, but my, the, the guy that I met, who's now my friend, uh, at the, that was the owner of the lake house, he immediately picked up on, on my, my, my Yankee shirt and my favorite Yankee, Mickey Mantle. And he said, Oh, are you a Yankee fan? And I said, yeah, I am. And I said, yeah, but you're a Braves fan, aren't you? And he said, yeah, I, 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 I live and die by the Braves. And I said, God, how bad must it be? How many championships have you guys won? One? Let's see, is it one? Anyway, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you can to fulfill that stereotype of obnoxious Yankee. So, so, I, I was good at that. And, and so, we got to talking and we really just, we really did have a good time. He was a big baseball fan and those of you who are baseball, you don't care what, you can just always have good conversations. And, um, we started talking about baseball and he had actually liked the Yankees, which is, Kind of hard to find in Alabama. And and he uh, noticed that my shirt said mantle on it. And he said, are you Mickey Mantle fan? I said, yeah, he's my favorite Yankee. And uh, he said, you know what? Um, I got a Mickey Mantle picture. And I said, that's that's cool. And uh, But but he said, can I get it for you? I said, I'd love to see it. I, I, you, know, I mean, you know, I've seen a few pictures of Mickey. And, uh, and he went into his... Den and pulled off the wall this picture of Mickey, the one that many of you have seen with Mickey with a bat on his shoulder and, and everything. And this wasn't just a Mickey Mantle picture. This was an autographed picture of Mickey Mantle, which was, I even think, way cool, you know. And, uh, and I looked at it. I said, wow, that's pretty impressive, you know. And he said, yeah, he told me where he got it and didn't tell me how much he paid for it, but I know it, it was sizable. And... Um, and I turned it over, and on the back of it, it said, Certificate of Authenticity. And it was notarized by somebody and, and so forth and so on to prove that this was the real deal. I thought about that later on as I was reworking this message, to, to, to this talk to give. Wouldn't it be great when you get to know people if you could turn them over and they had a certificate on their back that said certificate of authenticity and you can say okay now we can talk you know or whether or not there's something wouldn't that be terrific you know so we just go around and look at each other's backs are you are you being authentic here or not well the bible addresses that and, and as a matter of fact, that's not really to be an option for the person who's really a, a true follower of Christ. And, and frankly, whether or not you are a, a follower of Christ, I think it's a quality that most of us, as I said earlier, can relate to and really can appreciate and like. So what I want to do, and this isn't really three steps to authenticity, I'm going to give you three things to think about. Because this is huge, and I'm going to tell you why it's huge as we, as we move on through this stuff, because it's, it's important. But I want to take you to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, because the Apostle Paul, in writing here, is very clear that we are to be authentic in just who we are. I originally gave this message, or a derivative of it, because I, don't, I can't do the same thing twice, um, I, I, I did this whole thing how we so many times lose our identity in stuff. Now, it depends on where you are, what that stuff is. Some of my friends down in Alabama lose their identity in their pickup trucks. Pick them up trucks. Nice. I mean, they got some great pickup trucks down there. And, uh, and, and like I saw an old friend I hadn't seen in years. I got a new pick em up truck. I said, oh, that's great. Let me, you know, great. Okay. Um, Got one of those, some kind of cab. I'm not sure what it was. But his whole thing was, I got, I got, that's, that's, that's the deal. We have, I have one friend in New Jersey 
with a pickup truck, and and uh, and we we kid about it often. But down there, it's a whole different deal. Um, around here, oftentimes we find people who lose their identity in their position. I'm a partner at such and such financial institution, or I'm a a president or a VP or VIP, although people don't usually say that. Or they lose their identity sometimes in their homes, getting a bigger one and a better one and a little nicer end of their particular neighborhood, whether that's on a certain street in Short Hills or the north or the south side of Summit or, or whatever it happens to be. In every town around here, we have those kinds of regional um, status type things. And people lose their identity oftentimes in that. And sometimes things happen in their businesses or in their personal lives where that that is taken away for one reason or another. And oftentimes what happens? People really go through a whole weird identity crisis. Why? Because they, they put who they are or, for our purposes this morning, their lack of authenticity in that stuff, whatever stuff happens to be. Three things to help you with from Ephesians and uh, chapter 3, and I want to just take these, uh, chapter 4, and I want to show them to you very quickly and then show you why this is so important. First thing is this, if I'm going to be authentic, there needs to be heart-level honesty. To be or not to be authentic begins with heart-level honesty. Let me show you this from Ephesians chapter 4. And so I insist that God, and God backs me up on this, this is from the message paraphrase, that there... That, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. <laughs> what do they call that? The opiate of the masses or something? Um, they've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, watch this, but with reality itself. They can't think straight anymore, feeling no pain. They let themselves go into sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion, whether that be sexual or other kind. And what he's telling us is, there needs to be, I started to use this term, and I know this is a sophisticated crowd, so I didn't, but I'll say it. There needs to be some gut-level honesty here. And I'll tell you where it has to begin. It has to begin with God and yourself about who you are and, and, and how God has made you. And the, and the cool thing about that is there's not a wrong answer. You may not be the person that you think you want to be, but God, as the old saying goes, God didn't create no junk, you know, and you're one of his created beings, and that's the whole, kind of the catch to the whole thing, is people think, well, yeah, but I'm not, well, you may not be who you think you should be, or who somebody else thinks you should be, but who you are is pretty darn special, if you believe in God, the creator, which which we do, and I do. This kind of honesty that we're talking about is letting the inside take over the outward, um, Hypocrisy is being someone that you're not. And actually, the Greek word hypocrite, some of you know this. Uh, we have some people here, one this morning, and I'll see Will this afternoon in, in, in this uh, opening of, of Lennon, who are professional hypocrites. Norbert's here. He's a professional hypocrite. Because the Greek word, you know what that means? Not, not putting you down, Norbert. Um, that, that word means an actor in the Greek. They would say he's, so-and-so is a professional hypocrite, if they translated that into English. So it's not really a bad thing. It becomes a bad thing when we start acting in our lives, not being the person that God created us to be and who we are. And you see this in, 
Gosh, you see this in business, don't you? See this in communities. I'm told, I haven't been there, but I'm told you see this at the, at the, at the pool. People trying to be somebody they're not. I don't know what the deal is. In Milburn, we have I, apparently all the socialization in the world takes place in the summertime at the Milburn pool. I somehow have avoided that, but, but um, um, apparently a lot of that posing and trying to be somebody you're not goes on according to my, some of my friends who have told me that who go there. Um, and I'm sure not everybody's like that. and never, it, it never does work that way. But here's the issue that I want you to see. We need to be honest, and that's what he's saying here in this particular passage. He says, um, and so I insist, God backs me up on this, that there'll be no going along with the crowd, no empty-headed, mindless crowd, refuse so long to deal with God. That they, and they've lost touch with not only God, but with, with reality. Because that's the issue. They lose, people lose touch with reality. So it begins, this, this authenticity thing begins with gut-level, heart-level honesty. That's where it begins. All right? that's, that's the first thing that I want you to see. And you know what? That may mean that you, you have to really reject the whole self-delusion stuff that we sometimes have about ourselves. You ever meet somebody who's just totally out of touch with who they are? Totally out of touch. That means we, gotta, we, we can't be self-deluded. It means we can't have the little self-spin going on. I, I have this thing, and my wife, thankfully, constantly has to remind me of it. Somebody will be saying, even like last week, that's why I was so open about our vacation. Somebody says, did you have a vacation? Oh, yeah, it was great. And I used to always, and still do have a tendency at times. Somebody says, how, how are things? Oh, great. And Charlene will, you know, kick that one bruise that's always in my leg or my arm and, and elbow it and, and, and says, great? Great? You're doing great? What do I know? You know, and then you're like, okay. Now, that doesn't mean I sit there and going to tell you all my problems. I'm not going to lie to you. We shouldn't lie to each other. And that's part of what the Apostle Paul has done. Don't lie. That doesn't mean you sit there and go through, well, I'm not really doing so good. Last night, my wife and I had this big deal going on, and the kids, you know, one of the kids is all screwed up, and, and this is happening, and this is, I'm not necessarily suggesting that. You know, you're thinking, oh, I don't want to talk to them because they'll tell me the truth, and I don't want to hear it. I'm not suggesting that. But we do need some honesty. Say, so, you know, I'm not doing so great right now, or I'm doing okay, or, or whatever. But be honest about that. You know, and, and that's, that's part of the whole thing here that we need no self-spin, no lying to yourself. You know what I've learned? One of the great lessons. Let me give you a 40-year lesson in life that I've learned. You know what that is? This whole thing of lying. You met, you met a person maybe in business, maybe in your neighborhood who's a liar. You ever met a person who's a liar? They just lie all the time. You know what? One of the great lessons I learned in life, not always, but most of the time, people who lie don't really know they're lying because they're lying to themselves. I've, I've so many times I've been with people and they're just going on and I'm like, how can you not see the truth here? And it's like, they're lying to themselves. So when we talk about heart-level honesty, you need, first of all, people around you. Maybe just one or two. Maybe you're, Hopefully one of them will be your mate if you're married, not some, some close friends or associates, who will speak truth into your life and will be able to say and they will have the freedom to say, you know what? I don't like the way you did that. That wasn't good. Without being always critical, or, 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 or and maybe they can help by being a little more constructive than that. We were in Boston a few weeks ago, and my own son-in-law told me. He said, "Yeah, and it was. It was. I was right, obviously, but but it, my own son-in-law told me you've become an obnoxious New Yorker." And I was like, "I can't believe you said that to me." 
And he said, well, and then what happened was we were looking for a taxi cab, and there was a line. I didn't see the line, and we were in a big hurry, and there was a taxi cab there. And I said, hey, can we take you? And he says, no, 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 you go in front of the line. I'm like, I don't care about the front of the line. Let's go. We want you. We want you now. Let's go. And, uh, and my son, I'm like, God, Rich, you become an obnoxious New Yorker. But I was in Boston, so it's okay. But anyway, um, uh, no, it's never okay, obviously. But you need people in your life who will speak truth, who will do that and say that. Whatever it happens to be. It's not going to be a lot of folks. Not everybody has the, has the ability to do that. Not everybody has, in your life. But you need some people like that, number one. And number two about that whole honesty thing is, <clears throat> sometimes, on a regular basis, wherever you are in this whole thing, I don't, I, you know, whatever your beliefs are and you, whatever relationship or lack of relationship you may have with God, I would encourage you to do this wherever you are in that whole thing. It's just to, just to get alone sometimes and just say, God... Help me to be honest. Help me to be honest. And if that doesn't look really good to others, I'm sorry, but help me at least to be honest. Self-honesty. Heart-level, gut-level honesty. All right, That's the first thought that the Apostle Paul gives us. Don't, to be in touch with reality. Second thing. There has to be some difficult life-altering choices. Now, let me show you the passage here from Ephesians again. Later on, same chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. But that's no life for you. He's talking to believers. You learned Christ. My assumption is that you have paid careful attention to Him, been well instructed in the truth precisely as we have it in Jesus. Since then, we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything, Connected with that old way of life has to go. It's, a, it's rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside and working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces His character in you. Isn't that good stuff? Sorry, I said that again. I heard I got made fun of last week because of that. But um, isn't that good stuff there? When you talk, God accurately reproduces His character in you. So part of this authenticity process involves some difficult choices sometimes. And I say difficult because sometimes, I ran into this this week in my stinko vacation. Sometimes people lie to themselves for a long period of time, so much so it's really hard to be honest. With themselves. But you got to make a choice. God, help me. And, and again, you know, he's talking to believers here. It's part of the relationship that, that we as, as, as followers of Christ would have with, with God. If you're not there, you know, that's okay, but it doesn't hurt you. Even to say in your own way, however you want to do it, God, I want this. And I don't know how I can do it. But help me. Maybe that's your prayer. It's okay. It's good prayer. Straightforward and honest. Difficult life-altering choices because those pa- <clears throat> those patterns of lying and deception and covering up are very difficult to break. They're very difficult to break. Guys, painful sometimes. My own case took a year and a half of. Good, sound, godly therapy. And I still have a tendency to go back sometimes. 
in my mind to some of that deception of myself. But you see, a choice was made somewhere by all of us. Maybe it goes back last year. Maybe it goes back 10 years. Maybe it goes back longer than that. A choice was made somewhere for me to to, to do these kinds of things that really, we don't think of it this way, but that really go against the Bible. That really go against the things and the way that God wants us to live. Whenever we go against the way that God wants us to live, there will be negative consequences. It's one of the great things. That's why I love the Bible. It's why I've committed my life, really, to teaching the Bible. Because it, 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 whatever you think, when, when you start, start doing the, the, practicing life the way God just, it's, it's, it's better. Who better to show us how to live in the creator of life? God himself. That's why I love the practicality and the relevance of, of, of what the Bible teaches, whatever and wherever you may be in that whole thing. You have to choice. You have to make a choice sometimes to break from the old life, uh, the, the, whatever those values might have been, the, the self-dominated way of doing things, or whatever it happens to be. I want to show you a couple of quotes before I do. As I, I want to do this before I go into this third thing that I want you to see because this kind of just builds on each other. All right. First one comes from um, American writer William James. Look at this. The greatest discovery of my generation is that a human being can alter his life by altering his attitudes of mind. It's a great discovery. Amazing how people didn't discover that till the 1800s. Huh? You could argue whether that was the case or not, but I thought that was a great quote. And then, you know, if you don't know who Viktor Frankl is, you'll figure it out as we go through this quote. Watch this. We who lived in concentration camps can remember that men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread, they may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. That's pretty powerful stuff right there. To choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. Which brings to my third thing, and that is this. Authenticity comes when there's radical internal renovation. Radical internal renovation. Let me just show you this real quick. Again, Ephesians 4, the next verse. What this adds up to then is this. No more lies. No more pretense or pretending. Tell your neighbor the truth. That includes yourself. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected with each other after all. When you lie to others, watch this you end up lying to yourself. I don't know if you've thought about it. When you lie to others, you end up lying to yourself. Authenticity is this gut-wrenching choice to stop covering up, to stop covering over. There are people, there are families that have spent their whole lives, generation after generation, covering up and covering over. And you say, well, they should cover over because it's not a pretty... No. For a problem to get solved, you've got to deal with the problem first. And to deal with the problem, you've got to know what it is. You've got to be honest about that. Whether I'm, talking about, whether I'm talking about the wart on my nose that I don't, wanna, that I don't want anybody to, to, to acknowledge, or whether I'm talking about something much deeper and much worse than that. And, and that's the issue here. I mean, this is... Um, 
here's the thing. I, I, I know I'm, I'm close to being over time here, but you got spoiled last week because Rob went, I don't know how he went five minutes, I think, or ten minutes. But anyway, uh, no, he went a little longer than that. But I, I, I got to wrap this up. But I, I want to show you a couple things real quick because this, this comes down to this. This is, the, this is the stuff that I want. We go through all that to get to this because this is huge. I'm not just talking about being authentic because we want to be honest and, and, and we want to be real and we want to be fresh and we want to be who we are. I mean, and that's true. And I, I'm, not, I'm not making light of all that. That's all very important. But I'm talking about quality of life here. I'm talking about quality of relationships here. I'm talking about, and that's why God says you should be authentic, for goodness sakes. He knows what he's talking about. Let me show you from Proverbs what Proverbs says. You can't whitewash your sins and get by with it. You find mercy by admitting and leaving them. Why is it that people want to continue to lie about that when it would be better just to tell the truth, get with it, and move, start moving on? Instead of being stuck somewhere in the back, the background or the back life or whatever it might be. You can't whitewash your sins and, or, or mistakes or flaws, whatever you want to put in there. Sins is probably just as, is a good word. And get by with it. You find mercy by admitting and leaving them. That's the issue. When we talk about authenticity, we're talking about quality of life. And maybe this needs to, maybe this needs to take place between you and your mate. Maybe it begins there and goes to your family. Maybe it's in your business. Maybe it's in your, with your neighbors. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's with friends or, or, or your, your, your golf foursome or whatever. I don't know. But I, I, I do believe it needs to take place. I want to tell you this quick story. It's a, it comes from Greek literature. It's a great story. Greek literature has a way of being illustrative and always has a message to what's going on behind him. And the Greek story, um, the Greek literature story has to do with the fact that this guy stole a fox from his neighbor. And it was in the wintertime, and as he was a Spartan young man from, from Sparta, and as he was leaving, he ran into the man, but he had the fox under his, under his big coat, because it was wintertime. And as he was leaving and running away, he was, he was afraid of being found out, because he knew that this guy knew that if he could see this fox, he would know that it was his fox. So he kept his coat covered up. And he kept, and the guy kept talking to him, just kind of neighborly type of stuff. And the whole thing, what happened, the fox got panicked and began eating away at his, at his vital organs right in here. And the, and, the, and the moral of the story in Greek literature was how many times we try to cover up stuff that's wrong when it's just eating us alive. I love that picture, as gross as it may sound. Because that's society, isn't it? That's our society in, in many ways. So determined not to be discovered for what it is that it stands unflinching, unflinching at its very life and vitality that is ripped apart by your own sins and by our own corruption. That's why authenticity is so important. That's why God says, hey, do this. It'll be better. You'll find mercy and you'll find grace, certainly from God, most of the time from people. But even if you don't, that's okay. You can still move on. But it comes, particularly as we're honest with ourselves, and, and I don't know where you are in all this, but I'll tell you, I don't know, I don't believe. I'll just, I'll just say it very long. I don't believe without the power of God in my life. Granted, I'm, I'm good at lying to myself. 
But without the power of God in my life, I don't believe I could ever be truly authentic. Just with myself. Let alone with others. Thus, the importance of relationship with God. Let's pray together. Lord God, these are vital truths. And I know that in a group this size that there are a lot of folks here who, if not on a regular basis, have on more than, more than one occasion practiced deception, the art of deception to themselves, let alone to others. And God, we're not here to judge. Because I don't know who that is, but you do. And in some, some mystical type of way or some way in our conscience, however, however it can work, God, I pray that, that you would just deal and speak to that individual, whether it be that still small voice in their conscience or, or whatever it is, that it's time to quit covering up. It's time to be honest. Start with being honest to you, God, and then to myself and then to others. We ask for that, Lord. We ask for strength and help to do that. We thank you for the relationship we can have with you provided for us by Jesus, who came and lived and suffered and died and went to the tomb and rose again to give us the opportunity to have a relationship with you as we trust in him. We thank you for that. We thank you for our time. Pray, God, as we leave here and we think about this, maybe even talk about this, that it would stimulate conversations and and healing in lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.